The Masters from Beyond by Edward Podolsky From Weird Tales, September 1925 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman What dread fate took the crew and passengers of this mystery ship in the Pacific. The Masters from Beyond by Edward Podolsky Anyone in Gloucester can recall the Caroline, the mystery ship, as she was later called. The day had been calm and beautiful. In the late forenoon a strange craft drifted silently, almost like a ghost, into port and ran ashore. Her sail was set, and rudder lashed against her stern. Captain Musgrave, from the first, had become impressed with the feeling that there was something queer about her, so he summoned his two old cronies, Lawyer Mackay and Dr. Underhill, and these three boarded the ship. "'Dreadfully quiet,' murmured the captain in the course of the inspection. "'Something indefinably queer.' The whole ship seems saturated with mystery, affirmed Lawyer Mackay. Nowhere was anyone to be seen. Two chairs had remained undisturbed on deck. In the cabin, the table was set for a meal. The beds had been made up. Silken dresses hung in the wardrobes. Everything was left untouched. Nowhere were there any signs of violence or struggle? "'What has become of the crew and the passengers?' asked Captain Musgrave. Presently Dr. Underhill returned, bearing in his hand a thick copy-book. "'This may enlighten us a bit,' he said to his friends. "'The ship's log?' queried the captain most eagerly. "'No, evidently more important.' I found this in the captain's cabin, and it bears quite a lurid title. Last Days in a Lifeless World, and also a subtitle, The Masters from Beyond. The most amazing document that had ever been written was that one discovered by Dr. Underhill in the captain's cabin. This manuscript seems to have been guarded with more than jealous care by these three old men, and it was only after the death of the last of them, Captain Musgrave, that the manuscript finally passed into the hands of one who has seen fit to put it before the general public. THE MANUSCRIPT The day dies slowly, almost with a gasp, it seems. Soon night will come. A dreadful night of a lifeless world, a yawning void. The moon already appears in the gray heavens, like a brazen ball, tarnished, and grinning through the depressive haze. I alone am left, out of the passengers and crew that numbered a hundred, alone in a soundless and colorless world. I appear to be moving in an abode of spirits, as if in a vision i neither feel nor hear nor perceive the slightest sensation 
I but see, and only through my sight, am I aware of the dreadful sickness, the depressive calm that envelops all, everywhere. We set sail from San Francisco on a trip to the Philippines, June twentieth, eighteen ninety eight. The weather was propitious, and for several days nothing went amiss. On the sixth day a tempest arose, and we were driven many miles off our course. When the storm had subsided, which was as suddenly as it had come, we found ourselves in strange waters. The sky seemed to have taken on a new aspect. The waters were calm. Not a ripple disturbed the sea as far as the eye could see. A depressive calm was about us. It seemed to be rising from the very sea itself. The air was suffused with a sticky, jaundiced yellowness. The sun hung low in the sky, enormous and leering with a calm fierceness. Does it strike you that we look small, almost fearfully small? Lawton spoke these words to me. I had noticed from the beginning the awful expanse of sea and space about us. The bigness of it all was stupendous, overwhelming. We lived for three lifeless days and nights in a lifeless world. We seemed to move like ghosts in spirit land. An awful monotony sank into our souls and became part of us. On the fourth day, terror came upon us. A disappearance was reported from among the passengers. Mr. Clarkle has gone, sir. Gone? How? Disappeared, sir. Mr. Lawton says he is coming up to see you presently. Well, Lawton, I greeted my friend. How? It's come, Gennert. We're done for. I gazed at him amazed and then startled. What's come, Lawton? I finally found the words to ask. It's one of these masters from beyond. That's a name as good as any. You know how Clarkle disappeared? He was fished up, vanished right before our eyes. Ward MacGregor and I were speaking to him, and he was snatched up from the very midst of us. Now you're talking nonsense, I said with an attempt at a chuckle. This ungodly atmosphere is getting on our nerves. From a fore came a startled cry, then a sudden silence. Later, Kirk was described to have vanished under the same circumstances that had surrounded the disappearance of Clarkle. I was stumped, puzzled. I retired to my cabin and flung myself upon the bed. I dozed off, and now and then I imagined I heard startled cries, moans, then silence. I fell asleep. I must have slept for some time, for when I awoke the moon hung in the eternally gray heavens. Always that same moon, painted in faint blood and grinning. The depressiveness seemed to have increased. The calm, the lifelessness, seemed to have become greater. At the door I met Lawton. 
he had a strange wistful look in his eyes how are you gunnert he said i returned his greeting there's no one on the ship he continued no one on the ship what's become of them jumped overboard lawton looked steadily at me for a space no he answered they've disappeared gone vanished much the same as clarkle and kirk then for the first time in that senseless silly world i became afraid we're mad lawton both of us the very atmosphere is saturated with madness a strange unreality lawton assented silently we're the only ones left and we'll make the best of the situation we went on deck and sat down to talk gernert said lawton in the course of our conversation our fate will be much the same as that of the marie celeste the marie celeste i broke in yes the captain and his family and the crew disappeared quite suddenly and mysteriously out at sea and the ship drifted back as mute testimony to an occurrence which seemed beyond credence how do you account for the disappearance in the same manner that i account for the disappearance of our crew and passengers this super race from somewhere in space masters as i call them from beyond we're owned gernert owned by someone something superior to us something or things with superior intelligence inhabitants of some distant world who quite easily come down to earth as we can descend to the bottom of the sea we may be of value to them as food perhaps as fish are to us and have there been any signs any proof of such a race of superhuman beings as you call them i asked a little impressed with his yarn lawton hesitated for a few seconds and then resumed with the same zest that had characterized his talk before of course he said there have been proofs both visible and invisible of the latter i recall the curious case of mrs charton at sutton courthouse sutton lane cheswick in whose home windows mysteriously broke the mansion was detached and surrounded by high walls no other building was near it the police were called the constables assisted by members of the household guarded the house but the windows continued to be broken both in front and behind the house a still more impressive visitation from those strangers from beyond was told to me by an old tar at midnight february twenty fourth eighteen eighty five latitude thirty seven north and longitude one seventy east somewhere between yokohama and victoria the captain of the bark inswich was aroused by his mate who had seen something unusual in the sky the captain went on deck and saw the sky turning fiery red all at once a large mass of fire appeared over the vessel completely blinding the spectators the fiery mass fell into the sea 
the bark was struck flat aback and a roaring white sea passed ahead then again captain bayer of the dutch steamer valentian was in the south china sea when at midnight he saw a rotation of flashes it looked like a horizontal wheel turning rapidly and it was above water perhaps the wheel of a vessel of the super race from beyond at another time two wheels of fire were seen which the men described as rolling millstones of fire what i want is positive proofs i cried out in exasperation proofs that these masters from beyond have been upon the earth you shall have them lawton quickly answered a convincing proof of these super beings is their footprints some thirty years ago at devonshire footprints were discovered in the snow they were clawed footprints of an unclassifiable form alternating at huge but regular intervals with what seemed to be the impression of a point of a stick but the scattering of the prints was over an amazing expanse of territory obstacles such as hedges walls houses were surmounted there was intense excitement the track was followed by huntsmen and hounds until they came to the forest from which the hounds retreated baying and terrified nobody dared to enter the forest then again a considerable sensation was caused in the town of topsham limpstone exmouth teagmouth and dawlish in devonshire by a vast number of foot tracks of a most strange and mysterious description these marks were generally eight inches in advance of each other the impressions were cones in incomplete or concentric basins the footprints looked as if branded with a hot iron also in scotland among the high mountains where glenock glenlyon and glenay are continuous there have been met with several times during several winters the tracks of a creature never seen before from the depth that the feet sank in the snow the creature must have been considerable size i may also cite instances of mysterious disappearances under the weirdest circumstances which for some reason or another have been kept still there is a village in north russia where the three most prominent citizens were found in a forest beside the track of one of these super things with their heads split open as if pressure had been applied by two enormous fingers one at the forehead and the other at the back of the head their brains were missing eaten out it seemed from their very heads it seems i jested grimly that our brains are of some use after all these masters from beyond as you call them are epicures of an advanced sort lawton was in no mood for jesting in fact his face seemed to me to have become a bit haggard and drawn i tell you captain his voice was almost a groan now that we're owned by a race of super creatures I said nothing. I sat and simply stared at Lawton. Midnight was rapidly approaching, and with it a darkness, intense and frightful. 
the oppressive calm lay like a mantle over the lifeless sea the grinning moon and the sickly stars were obscured by a fearful blackness after a time the pitchy darkness was succeeded by a lurid gloom such as i have never seen it seemed that the sky was afire and the sea also on every side the lurid gloom surrounded us lawton sat with his eyes staring into the fire-colored spaces i found no word to break the awful monotony i sat and stared at lawton yet even as my gaze was concentrated upon him a strange mist seemed to crawl around him he grew thinner and thinner and then with a snap he seemed to disappear upward i know not whether to believe the testimony of my senses or is it that my mind has also lost its grip the ship is fastened in a motionless sea i am the only living thing in a lifeless world i know that if i should try to jump overboard the sea would not receive me it is green and full of sloth and seems thick like jelly the weariness of it all has entered my soul i have no interest to here the document ends abruptly and the fate of captain Gannett, no doubt was the fate of his crew and passengers the end of the masters from beyond by edward podolsky